Good morning. And peace be with you. We have some announcements to make. Um, one of the things that I'd like for you to, to take note of is there is an insert if you haven't seen it already. And uh, God bless America. So your pastor is about as sharp as a marble sometimes, but you already know that. Uh, midweek uh, realized that, well, yesterday was our Independence Day. And so we will be singing um, Kate Smith-like. Uh, God Bless America is our sending song. So uh, that is the major announcement. Um, continue to pray for each other for health and um, for us to avoid uh, contracting this virus or <clears throat> anything else. I don't know about you, but this uh, last week with the barometric pressure changes and all the wonderful things that uh, are in bloom right now, uh, it, it wreaked a little havoc uh, on me. So, um, and isn't it strange, you know, you get a little sniffly and maybe a little sneezy and then you're worried about somebody thinking you got the Rona and that they're gonna burn you at the stake or something like that. Um, Wow, you know, it's, uh, as I was driving up here this morning, I was thinking, Lord, there has to be a lesson in this. And I know that there is. One of the things that came to my mind is, were we so intent in seeing sin for what it is and trying to prevent it by all costs as we are so intent to try to prevent spittle in the air or the transformation of this thing, which are both important, but um, interesting how um, uh, our focus changes on things. And, I, and it, it would be pleasing to the Lord were we to repent, uh, were we to uh, uh, confess our sins as we will in a few minutes um, with as much fervor as a nation as we do... Um, you know, complying with um, what is the best known practice to prevent this disease. Just a thought, um, and I've told you before, whenever your pastor says, I think, run. So the second thing uh, that I would like to bring to your attention is um, on the back of our bulletin are two prayers. And I uh, believe that it is important to start the day in prayer, and I believe it is important to end the day in prayer, and before you do anything else. And by golly, so did Martin Luther. And so these are his two prayers. I would encourage you to keep one of these next to your bedstand and let it be uh, the first thing that you, uh, you speak of in the morning and the last thing you speak in the evening it's good for you, just like washing your hands and keeping your fingers out of your eyes and other places. So there's that. Um, we are always looking for volunteers and help. And um, I would like to thank Roger and Debbie, um, who have uh, been coming now for like five weeks, is it? You know, and um, Debbie. Uh, said something that is absolute music to a pastor's ear, and that is, do you need any help? And um, so she and Roger are going to help us with communion next week. 
And so thank you very, very much. It's, uh, you know, everybody get to know them. I mean, if you haven't already, you know, I know that in these times um, we're not supposed to, you know, <clears throat> socialize, but um, thank you guys and welcome and God bless you. Thank you for that. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And all of this <clears throat> that happens, and you all know, um, doesn't happen without um, people selflessly serving. Um, so from the beginning of this day, uh, which started earlier in the week with the setup for Altar Guild and um, you know the hours that the ladies put into all this, it's all volunteer. You know that, and, and so thank you, you know, to everyone that volunteers. Um, there isn't a single person in here that doesn't and hasn't done something. So thank you all. And um, I don't recognize as well as I should, and I apologize for that. But thank you very, very much for your service to the Lord and to this church and to, the, you know, to the, our friends and family. Okay, you had enough of that? Enough of announcements? Okay, well, let us stand. And let us sing as unto the Lord, what a wondrous love is this.
come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, Let us confess our sins to God, our Father, most merciful God. We confess. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you are called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb of God. 
with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, your mercy attends us all of our days. Be our strength and support amid the wearisome changes of this world. And at life's end, grant us your promised rest and the full joys of your salvation through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. The first reading this morning is from the book of the prophet of Zechariah, chapter 9, verses 9 through 12, and this can be found in your pew Bible on page 1480. Now, Zechariah is another Old Testament prophet. Uh, he prophesied 500 years or so before Christ. He forecasts his coming. He warns the Israelites to follow God's precepts. Remember, the temple was destroyed because the Israelites did not follow God's precepts. So they're rebuilding the temple. Zechariah gives a warning, but he, he gives hope in that the Messiah is coming. And I started to think with these Old Testament prophets, I mean, what a lousy job. You know, if you've had a lousy job, God picks these people and says, you're going to go tell these people to straighten up. They don't want to hear it. And today we have the cancel culture. Well, they kind of had that back then, too, 500 years before Christ. They, they cast out these prophets, and they didn't want to hear from them. But whatever God says is going to happen, happens. And they just don't get it. So here we are. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 12. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Now we will read Psalm 145, verses 1 through 14, responsively, and this is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 145, beginning with the first verse. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you, and I extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another, 
They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, and this can be found on page 1756 in the Pew Bible. Romans chapter 7, beginning with the 14th verse. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Gospel reading this morning is taken from 
the book of St. Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. It can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1513. Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. That uh, letter from Paul with all the do's. I do, 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 do. I, you know, there, there's... I'm trying not to do that, and there it is. My flesh is making a joke listening to Holy Scripture. Do, 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 And the bottom line is the bottom line where he says, O oh, wretched body of death, evil that I am, who will rescue me from this? Thanks be to God who gave his son Jesus Christ. And that's the bottom line. He's not advocating sin it's not, it's not a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not a license, because he also wrote at one point in time, you'll remember, shall I sin more that grace may abound more? Certainly not. So what does it mean? Well, let's unpack the gospel message this morning. And if you want to, I mean, you can take a look at your Bible on page 1513, or you can make a note in your uh, uh, your, your bulletin to look at it a little, er, you know, look at it later. But the context for the gospel today is uh, actually at the beginning of chapter 11, whereupon um, Jesus has described um, to us and to those that are listening, uh, he's described everyone who's opposed him. And there were a lot of people that were opposing him. People were opposing him. Cities were opposing him. Like that job description that, that Ken gave, being a prophet was pretty tough work. People were inclined not to listen to you if they didn't like what they heard. 
And oftentimes they didn't like what they heard, just like today. Jesus described those who opposed him as children sitting in the marketplace, calling out in Matthew eleven seventeen. They said, we played the flute for you. Uh, emphasis mine. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. This means that some of the Jews did not receive the teaching of either John the Baptist or Christ. Instead, they took offense at the behavior of Jesus and at the behavior of John. They were offended counter to what they had created in their own image of a culture. Cancel them is what they would say today. John did not eat or drink, they said. He was a demon. Christ ate and drank, and they said he was a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Wisdom is proven right by her actions. Christ went on to describe the opposition of the cities that rejected him. In Matthew eleven twenty one, he names out Chorazan and Bethsaida. He said, they witnessed many of my miracles, but they refused to repent. And the people of Capernaum Noted in Matthew eleven twenty three, the people of Capernaum thought that they were spiritual and destined to be exalted to heaven. But they would be brought down to Hades, according to Christ, because they did not pay attention to his mighty works. So you, you got to wonder that surely people were noticing the increasing opposition to Christ that he faced. Perhaps some of them were whispering that Christ was getting nowhere in his preaching. Whole towns ignored him. And some people were increasingly critical or outright hostile to him. They want to throw him off a cliff. So we come to the Holy Gospel that was appointed for today, Matthew eleven twenty five through 30. And Christ seems to be answering the criticisms that he encountered. The so-called wise people of the world who were not receiving him. And instead of being sad or angry or moping around, Christ praises his Father in heaven. And the Father has hidden the truths of the kingdom of heaven from the wise and the prudent and had revealed them to the little babies. The world's not wise. Amen? Are we wise? No. Now, it is not that the people who reject Christ are really wise. We know that. That's, that's dumb. 
If they were wise, then they would receive him and repent and listen to his teaching. But since they do not, then their wisdom is really only an appearance of wisdom. It is a wisdom that the world likes. Boy, he looks really smart. But this is not, this is not wisdom in the eyes of God. Instead, these are people with the world's wisdom, but not the Father's wisdom. Now, please do not draw a conclusion from the passage that we read that the Father or Christ does not want everyone to be saved. He does. Christ says, Father, you have hidden this from the wise. This is not to say that the Father keeps people from being saved. No, he does not even want the worldly wise people to perish. He just doesn't. John 3.16, for whosoever would believe. He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, but no one No one will be saved by false wisdom, pop wisdom. You just won't, and we know that. To be saved, they must not trust their own wisdom, but the Father's. So as long as they are clinging to their own wisdom, they make themselves blind to the truth of the Father, which is Christ, the truth, God, the Word, sitting, speaking, walking with, eating with them. At that moment, they rejected him. And nothing has changed. The Father allows them to, rem- to remain blind, just like he does today. In fact, he may increase blindness so that perhaps those that are blind can realize just how blind they are. In the end, anyone who is saved is not saved by any quality in themselves. We know that human wisdom does not make a person any closer to the kingdom of heaven. The opposite, the opposite of wisdom is true as well as far as it making you closer to the kingdom of heaven. Fools. A person who is foolish in the eyes of the world is not necessarily any closer to the kingdom. No one can be saved by their own qualities, whether it is wisdom or foolishness. But, listen to this, but the foolish have one advantage And that is this, they realize that they are not wise. And if they realize they are not not wise, perhaps they will know that they need something outside of themselves. It is such humility, at least they will not cling to their own pride, to the exclusion of the gospel. If a person realizes they aren't all that bright, maybe they won't lean on their own understanding and they'll just accept the gospel as it is intended, receiving a gift in faith. I have a family member who has since passed. I love her very, very much. She had a lot of different things she said. 
But uh, one of them that has stuck with me is this. You can't fool me because I'm not smart like you. As long as so-called, the so-called wise cling to their wisdom, they will push away the gospel, and they need a complete change of heart to repent. They need to be brought down to their needs. They need to say to the Father, uh, they need to say this, Father, I thank you for giving me all that I have. They need to be able to say, everything I have you gave me and help me be humble in my wisdom. Let me ask you this. Are we ashamed to be seen as babies by the world? Are we ashamed to be thought of as foolish and stupid? That's... I don't really like it have somebody think of that, but you know, in this in this realm, I'm, it doesn't happen. But we step outside that door and we speak of Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't want to hear about Him. We need to know this: make no mistake that sinful people of the world will think of you and of me as idiots if they know that we are Christians. They might be friendly to you if they don't think you really believe the fairy tale and all that other stuff as they see it. They might be friendly to you then, or they may act like they do not care what anyone believes, although they really do, whether they know it or not. And they may act friendly to your face, but they may have or they likely have contempt for you secretly in their heart. One way or the other, they will think of you as mental babies. And they hated Christ, and they hate you. Be prepared to be treated with contempt. Be prepared to be looked down at, upon, because you trust in Christ. Christ is telling this to his disciples, to those that are following him. And he's telling it to you and me today. On the other hand, please do not take this passage as a call for you to strive to be deliberately foolish. And I know that you wouldn't because we all have plenty of folly and foolishness in our lives already. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to make ourselves deliberately ignorant to the Word of God. We need to be about studying it. We don't need to be making friends with the world because that would be pushing away Christ. We need to be seeking wisdom. And we need to make ourselves foolish in regards to the ways of the world. And say that again. We need to be foolish to the ways of the world, the trends, the fads, those practices that are not a God. We need to be foolish to it and not partaking in it. Is the church immune from this? 
No. Sometimes so-called wise people are in the church. Sometimes they think that they have Christianity all figured out. And they have mastered all that they ever need to know. These are self-wise people. And they locate wisdom inside themselves rather than from the Father. We need to be careful of this because it's a seductive trap that we think we know all that there is to know about God. To be a a babe in faith means always knowing that your father is the wise one and not you. I practice this. When I look in the mirror, I say, who do you think you are? And it recalibrates me. Who do you think you are? And even though we strive for wisdom, it is only God's wisdom that is passed to us through his word. Of ourselves, we are always foolish. Apart from our Father, we are liable to stumble into all kinds of paths. Apart from the Father. Apart from that morning prayer and apart from that evening prayer. Another thing I say in the mirror. (laughs) Humble up! And I say to you, humble up. No, really, do it. So let's go further. If, even if you should feel that you have attained all the wisdom that you think you can, then, then pray this, as I alluded earlier. Father, I thank you because I know that all I have is from you, and of myself I am nothing. Better yet, pay attention to your life and see all the foolish things you do. Boy, I'm glad a camera isn't following me 24-7. Because if it did, I would not bother to even think about what I have attained. If I was on that reality TV show and they were following me all day, I wouldn't be thinking about all I had attained. Instead, my prayer would be this, Father, I'm amazed that you haven't cast away this fool, a great fool as I am And I would ask him, please be patient with me and forgive me of my foolishness. Such humble hearts, to such humble hearts, the Father reveals himself and he gives repentance and true wisdom. He gives his son. Christ is the wisdom of God, and he says this today. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There is a usual way of translating this verse, and that that you just heard. It, It highlights that Christ the humble one, he will give you rest because he's gentle and he's lowly. 
And he does not afflict the humble and the weak. Instead of that, he, he gives rest and he gives a light yoke. And there is some truth there in that kind of soft interpretation. But a more likely translation reads this. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me that I alone am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What we learn from this is that Christ, what he's like, he is the gentle and the lowly. You and I aren't. I'm not real gentle sometimes, and I'll tell you what, I'm not real lowly either. I'm pretty puffed up. Only he is those things. He did not come to crush sinners as we deserve. Thank you, Jesus. He did not come to boast and glory in himself. And far from being one of the worldly wise people, he was not ashamed to be thought of as a fool and far worse. And he faced the shame all to purchase us. The shame of the cross. The shame of a brutal beating. Punched in the face. Spit on. Mocked. Pinned. To a cross. He did it willingly. He was willing to be seen as foolish because he followed the wisdom of his father which leads to rejection and suffering. He could have shown, outshone the world with all of his majesty. He could have had every knee forcefully bowed. bowed. But then there wouldn't have been the shame and there wouldn't have been the pain and there wouldn't have been the crucifixion and there would have been no resurrection And it was for those things that he came. The wisdom of God followed the strange path of all of that. And that seemed so unwise. That seems so unwise to our own common sense, doesn't it? God saved the world through a little baby and he gave his son up so that he could be punished and spit on and beat on for you and me and die? That's his plan? Do I have a different choice? The world says. Therefore, we find rest, we know, for our souls because he is gentle and lowly in heart. And we learn from him that we have a better life coming which is the fruit of Christ's humility. We learn that we can face the same kind of path as Christ. We learn that we can first face shame in this life and then a life of glory to come. And we know, should know, that in this life, the suffering we have is temporary. So your rest is coming. And it will not always be so in this life that it's easy. 
But he says his yoke is easy and a light burden he gives us. And they don't always feel like that, do they? Has anyone got a light yoke and an easy burden right now that doesn't feel so light and so easy? Yeah. Every one of us. And he would say, be patient. And follow the path. Stay the course. He would say, this is the best path for you to be on. The path that our dear Lord first traveled. He knows. He knows. We should keep our eyes on Him and we should learn from Him. And we know that He will show us that He took the heaviest part of the burden. That's why the burden's light. It's not burden-free. It's just lighter. Because He did the heavy lifting. He will show us His gentleness by which we know that He will not destroy us. He could have. If y'all had been my kids, and I was up there in heaven, I'd say, don't you make me come down there. Wouldn't you? But he didn't. The burdens that you and I suffer now are from a gentle hand of him who loves you more than you can imagine. And he does sympathize with you in your pain. Because he's been through far worse. He's paid a tremendous price for you. And his promise is that he will not cast you aside as if you are some cheap trinket of little value. No. No. He followed that path of shame because he treasures you. You are his beloved. And with that knowledge, we can endure our burdens because we know his love. And this same Lord, he gives you gifts of patience and endurance through his Holy Spirit. Cling to him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of the day is When Peace Like a River.
please stand. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and died in his burial. He ascended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he seated at the he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Merciful Lord, Hear the prayers of your people and grant us grace, sufficient our needs and all those for whom we pray. Our God and King, as once your people received you in joy, open our hearts to rejoice in your coming so that we may meet you in your word and sacrament for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith. Help us to bless and extol your name before the nations and to declare your salvation to the generations to come, proclaiming that you are merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, in your mercy, our merciful God and Lord, you are good to all your creation. Continue to bless your church and to provide for her faithful pastors who will preach and teach your word and church workers who will serve us in your name. Make bold our witness before the nations and help us to act in love toward our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy, our Creator and Lord, from you all things come, and to you all things are directed. Provide for our nation faithful leaders who will hear and heed your law. Protect and defend the citizens Preserve the precious gift of liberty and inspire us to use our freedom honorably. Make us mindful of the heritage of our forebears that have given to us this land and guide us to be faithful in our stewardship of all the resources that you have provided. Lord, in your mercy. Our wise and giving God, you are the God of truth, and in you is no falsehood or deception. Help us to delight in your law, 
to love what is good and true and right and to seek after these things. Help us to wage war against the old Adam within us. Restore us when we stray from your word and forgive us when we give into the devil's temptations. Lord, in your mercy, our compassionate Lord, we do not suffer alone the pain and afflictions of this life, but we live them out within your grace and are sustained by your mercy. Hear us on behalf of the sick, those who suffer, the grieving, and those to whom death is near. We lift up in our hearts or out loud right now those who we wish for you to have mercy upon. According to your will, deliver them from their afflictions and give to all your strength, patience, and hope that they may endure to eternal life. Show compassion and drive all pestilence from our land. Lord, in your mercy, our loving Father, you have hidden your greatness from our wisdom and made your ways known to children. Guide us to bring our children to the waters of baptism, to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and to know perfect rest and peace within your loving arms. Lord, in your mercy. Our gentle God and Lord, you have invited us to come to you with the heavy burdens of this life that we may find rest and peace in your mercy. Grant relief to those who struggle, supply to those in need, hope to those who fear, and peace to those who are anxious, that we may be delivered from all adversity and brought to everlasting life, where we shall join the saints of old in your presence forevermore. Lord, in your mercy. Our heavenly Father and gracious guide, gracious God, as we come to the table that your Son has set, grant to us faith and repentance so that we may receive with joy and thanksgiving his flesh in this bread and his blood in this cup. Grant us your Holy Spirit that what we have received with our lips we may keep in holiness of life. Lord, in your mercy. And all these things, blessed Lord, we pray that you to grant us according to your merciful goodness and for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now, may the peace of our Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace from a distance. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy. The night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Breaking it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. His, uh, his load and his yoke that he took upon were heavy. And they were not easy. But he did it. And he did it for you and he did it for me. And this is a deposit on that work that he worked perfectly on the cross for our salvation, his body and his blood for all who should believe, all who confess him as Lord and Savior. I heard you with your own lips. So come, the table is prepared. You may be seated and the ushers will bring you forward.
please stand. Thank God and His Son, Jesus Christ, who rescues us from the wretched body of death that we find ourselves in. Thank God and His Holy Spirit that we can recognize that we are not all that and that we do need the one who did the heavy lifting. And thank God and His Holy Spirit that when we feel puffed up and maybe like we've got it all figured out, that His Word does come, His law does come to knock us off our high horse and then His gospel comes to rescue us with the soothing, sweet smell of forgiveness and salvation. Thank you, Jesus. And now, the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are we ready to sing out loud? Let's do it.